Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today, or text from last week, from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Do not, for I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and that they passed through the sea, and that they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they all ate the same spiritual food, and they all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, most of them, God was not pleased. For they, over, they, had, they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it's written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose, rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 of them fell in a single day. But we must not put the Lord to the test as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened as an example. But they are written down for us as our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is, common, that is not common to man, and yet God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape, so that you may be able to endure it. This is the word of the Lord. Dear friends of Christ, you know, I, I can summarize all of the events of Lent really with one sentence, repent or perish. And that's what Jesus said, repent or perish. That's an appropriate theme for Lent, repent or perish. Now, do you hear that as a threat? Repent or perish? Or do you hear that as a promise? Repent or perish? Or do you hear that as an invitation? Repent or perish? How do those words fall on your ears? Well, of course, Lent is all about repentance. And yes, Lent is about confessing our sins. And more pointedly, Lent is about turning away from our sin turning away from that which is leading us away from the Lord. God's people have a long history of getting caught up in sins that turn us away from the Lord. We have a long history of getting caught up in sins that cause us to fall away from the Lord, the sins that cause us to destroy our faith, ruin, ruin our journey to heaven. The Bible does not sugarcoat the sins of our ancestors. As a matter of fact, sometimes the Bible is just painfully blunt. And it all begins at the beginning with Adam and Eve, as we see the dark side of our ancestors. Adam and Eve made a bad choice to rebel against the command of God. And then next, not only do we see their sin, we see the sin of their boys. Cain and Abel. And Cain takes a rock. And he kills his brother, his brother Abel by smashing his head in with a rock. One dark sin after another. 
And the Bible shows us that King David, Israel's most beloved man, Israel's most, the greatest king. However, also, the Bible shows us the underbelly of King David's private life. He was adulterous with a woman named Bathsheba, and he murdered her husband. The biblical record is clear. We're a broken people. The people who make bad choices. Choices that have the power to destroy us. Choices that have the power to ruin our soul for all eternity. And the Bible's clear. We are an unfaithful people. Unfaithful. We sin against the Lord. And instead of turning away from our sin, like we're supposed to do at Lent, we're more apt to turn away from the Lord. We much more easily will wander away from the Lord than to turn away from the sin that's within us. And so our Lenten mantra is, in, is appropriate. Repent or perish. That's our theme. So Paul in our text gives us a history lesson this morning. And it's always good to study history so we don't repeat it, right? He gives us proof that God's people are unfaithful, that sinners are unfaithful to the Lord. But the Lord is always faithful to us. We're unfaithful, God is faithful. Not much has changed. It's always been that way. For Paul writes, I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. That's a history lesson. Of course, it takes us back to the days of Egypt when God was dealing with His unfaithful people, Israel. And it all began when Israel left Egypt. And from the, the oppression, the bondage, the slavery in Egypt, and Pharaoh finally decided to let God's people go. And if you remember all that, they began their journey then to the promised land. The promised land was that land that God had promised to their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, hundreds of years before. God was finally keeping His promise. And He leads them into the wilderness. They had a cloud by day that they followed. A pillar of fire by night. It was a sign of God's constant presence. Man, God was always with them. And the Israelites knew what God's presence meant because they'd seen what God with them could do. When they got to the waters of the Red Sea and, and Pharaoh's army was closing in on them, God opened the waters of the Red Sea and they passed through the wall of the waters on dry ground. The presence of God does powerful stuff. They'd seen it. And then as soon as they got down safely across on the other side, Pharaoh's army comes in and God releases the waters. And Israel watched the mighty army of Pharaoh drown in the waters of the Red Sea. Again, the Lent, the refrain of Lent echoed in their ears as they watched them drown repent or perish. What Paul says next is unusual. He writes, the, the, the Israelites were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Baptized means washed, right? And of course, they were washed. They were washed with God's mercy and love in the waters. Uh, God had delivered them from the oppressive hand of the, of the Egyptians and delivered them and continued to guide them into the wilderness our text says they ate the same spiritual food as they went in the desert and they drank the same spiritual drink. And so the Lord miraculously provided food for them. They had manna and they had quail each and every day. 
And, and you remember, they also had fresh water when Moses struck the rock and a whole river poured out of it. Then our text says they drank from the same spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Listen, the Old Testament people knew about Jesus. They knew about the Messiah. And He would one day come and be the rock of our salvation. Now, I left my rock on my desk, but I've got this rock that has a cross on it. And wouldn't it be cool if I could take that rock and hold it before you and say, listen, this rock is going to glow with the divine presence of God. This is the rock of Jesus. And all of a sudden, the presence of God started to glow, and we all go, ooh, God is with us. And that would be cool, right? But I have something greater than a rock. I have God's Word. I have God's promise. And the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is the one who is always with us, that He'll never leave us, that He'll never forsake us. And God's Word enables us to see clearly that this divine one who suffered and died, He gave His life for us. And that's what Lent is all about. It's Jesus' journey to the cross to save unfaithful people. Jesus makes that journey to the cross and He's nailed there to suffer for our sin and to die for our sin. And then with eyes of faith, we see His body die. And then finally we rejoice at His resurrection on Easter and we see how God is faithful. God is faithful. And throughout all of Jesus' suffering and death, Jesus is faithful. He gives His life. He's the rock of our salvation. And we may be unfaithful, but He's always faithful. And the good news is that we're baptized into that faithfulness. We're baptized into the faithfulness of God. We're baptized into Christ. Everything that Christ has done for us we cling to by faith. We cling to the blessings of our baptism. And He gives us bread and wine in Holy Community. He says, this is my body and my blood given and shed for you. And, you know, the God's people, the Old Testament people were truly blessed. They had a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, and they had the rock, which was Christ. We have something far greater. God comes to us directly with His grace. God is faithful. God's people are not. And it is because of Israel's unfaithfulness that Paul wrote, Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. I guess God wasn't pleased. Bodies scattered in a desert is not a good thing. Repent or perish. Many of those people never made it to the promised land. Uh, Hebrews says they did not enter God's rest, which means that many of those people didn't have faith. They died in the wilderness. They rejected the Lord. And then the refrain of Lent echoes in the ears of the children of Israel as they see the desert scattered with all their ancestors, dead, repent, or perish. God is faithful, His people are not. And it's because of Israel's unfaithfulness that Paul wrote, nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. 
they never made it to the promised land. You know, it's still happening today. People turning away from the Lord, people turning their back on Jesus. I know you don't follow Oklahoma football. I brought it up recently, but uh, Brent Venables is the new head football coach. He's a Christian. He wears his faith on his sleeve. And he wants faith and integrity to permeate everything within the program. That's pretty cool. But it greatly upsets many of the Oklahoma fans. The unbelieving fans, it doesn't sit well. One fan wrote, The hardline message of the church does not connect with our younger generation or people that haven't been brainwashed with religion from childhood. The Christian message is one of fear and victimization. It's the type of persecution that comes from the churches. And it very much resembles cultish behavior that reasonable people can see right through. I personally find it very encouraging that people are starting to see religion for what it is, a lie and a deception of the highest order. That kind of sentiment is not rare. It's common today. It comes from the people of the woke community. Religion is a lie. Jesus is a hoax. And this is their refrain. This is their mantra. And what is God's refrain? Repent or perish. Again, Paul writes about such unbelievers. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, for it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. You remember the scene? Uh, Moses had gone up to the... uh, to receive the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, and the people stayed down below. He was up there for 40 days, 40 nights. While he was up there, the people down below were unfaithful. They melted all their gold, and they made for themselves a golden calf to build an idol. And it's likely that they fashioned that in one of Egypt's fertility gods. They fashioned it to be like that Egyptian fertility god. And then what do they do with this God that they molded with their own hands? They worshipped it. They sat down to eat and drink in front of the idol. They indulged in pagan revelry. They ignored God's word. They ignored God's command. And when Moses came down from the mountain, his message from God was clear. Repent or perish. Are those words echoing in your ears yet? The children of Israel created that golden calf from a fertility god. Why would they make a fertility god? What were they hoping to do? Paul warns us, we should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. How do 23,000 people die from sexual immorality? Well, again, you have to learn your Bible history, right? It all happened in the days of Balaam. The Moabites had a wicked king who wanted Balaam to curse the children of Israel. And when the curse didn't work, Balaam came up with a more dangerous plan. He told the, the Moabite king to get all his most beautiful maidens, all the the beautiful maidens of his kingdom together and send them into Israel and to encourage the men of Israel to join them in 
sexual immorality. And the children of Israel, the men of Israel, they were all more than glad to oblige. And God wasn't pleased. The theme, our Lenten theme echoed in their ears, repent or perish. And 23,000 of them died with the plague. Another example of Israel's unfaithfulness, again, is in the form of grumbling and complaining. People were grumbling and complaining. Why should we test? Uh, And Paul wrote, we should not test the Lord as some of them did. They were killed by snakes. God's people cried out to the Lord. Why? Why? Have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There's no bread, there's no water, and we, we detest this miserable food. God is faithful. God's people are not. But His grace saves us. His undeserved love saves us. And that's what Jesus' journey to the cross is all about. We need a faithful champion. One who is faithful, who restores our relationship with God the Father. One who is faithful, who shows us the way and guides us the way to eternal life. And that's what the cross is all about, and it's comforting. But it's also comforting to know that God gives us a promise. Listen, we all struggle with temptation. We all struggle with sin that will lead us away from the Lord, just like the children of Israel. But what if our sins do cause us to fall away? Well, Paul shares God's promise. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you're tempted, He'll also provide a way out so that you can stand under that temptation. God is faithful. So when I hear the words, repent or perish, a threat, a promise, an invitation, I hear those words, repent or perish, through the filter of God's faithfulness. God is faithful. Jesus is faithful. And He sent His Son to crush the devil's power. And everything Jesus did reveals how much He loves me. Everything Jesus did reveals how much He loves you to save sinners like us. So that we won't be lost and wandering like the prodigal son. Though we are unfaithful, Jesus is faithful. And his faithfulness saves. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.